Hello and a warm Collisions YYC welcome to episode 400. Thank you to our audience, our past guests, and our sponsorship partners for supporting the growth of the show. This started as a passion project from the corner of my desk at the end of 2019 and has grown into the show it is today. Now at 400 episodes and over 100,000 downloads, we have seen nothing but increased interest in the conversations we are having with our community. I applaud every single one of you for always starving to learn more about the people and the businesses that are changing the Western Canadian landscape. Stay tuned for some exciting announcements coming early in 2024. Thank you. We could not have done it without you. Hello and a warm collisions, episode 400 warm. Welcome to my guest, Mr. Jay McNeil. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing really good, thanks. Oh man, thanks for coming on. When uh, Everybody knows I started this podcast because I'm incredibly bullish on things that happened in Calgary, Alberta, Western Canada. It started off as, oh, this will be fun. Boom, fast forward 400 episodes later. And I love for these, these, these 100 episode milestones to have someone on or have guests on that really represents the grassroots of why I started this, of what's going on in the Calgary community. So a good friend of mine, Colleen Pound, suggested hey, why not you talk to Jay? He is the Vice President of Business Operations at the Calgary Stampeder Football Club. So not that anything needs any introduction. If you're in Calgary, you know that the Stampeder, the Stampeder Football Club. But Jay, tell us a little bit. How long have you been in this role? A little, tell us about it. And you come from the business background. So I've got many questions for you today about how this kind of comes together. So I'll turn the mic over to you. Awesome. Well, thank you. I, I, first of all, I feel very, uh, uh, very fortunate that uh, you considered having me on for the 400th episode. So thank you. And it's um, you know, and on behalf of the Stampeders as well, we're, we're excited about this. So, yeah. So, in this particular role, I've been uh, with the team for a little over a year. So, I started in October of 2022, um, and I had played for the team from ninety from 1994 to 2007. So, oh, nice. Very cool. uh, yeah, you bet. So, you know, through throughout the last six years of my football career, I, I worked in Calgary uh, in oil and gas, and I continued, uh, you know, in that industry up until October of last year. So I started out in sales and then in my last role was chief operating officer for a publicly traded service company. Very cool. And since time in the clean tech space, and of course I'm creeping on your LinkedIn, like any good interviewer, professional yeah, yeah. groupers that we are. As you should. So, and so just curious a little bit, the, the little boy in me, was this a dream to kind of come full circle and come back here? Did it just the stars align and talk a little bit about the role that St. Peter's even play, kind of play represent for you, but also in our, in our, in our city. Mm-hmm. So I guess the answer, you know, the short answer to that is no, this was never really okay. even a thought. Um, and it started with a random conversation about uh, an alumni, uh, not a function, but, you know, sort of a, something we had going on with the alumni uh, as well as with the team. And then a conversation just led us down the road. And, you know, I, I went from that meeting to a meeting with John Huffnagel, our president. And then from that meeting a week later, I was with John Bean, the CEO of Calgary Sports Entertainment. Yeah, that was a Friday afternoon. I had a job offer on Monday. So sounds like a slippery, slippery, slippery slope, Jay. <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, you know, you know. So now that it it has happened, and I've been in it for a year, and yeah, you know, this it, it really is a second dream come true. I, you know, I'm so this team I'm passionate about, awesome. this game that I'm passionate about, and then this league I'm passionate about. So I feel incredibly fortunate to to be where I'm at, uh, and, and really excited about where we're going. That being said, the last year has been the most stressful, uh, you know, the most, the biggest time commitment and the most challenging year of my career, uh, but it's also been the best year of my career. Uh, I love it. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger <laughs> and all the other right. metaphors that go iron sharpens iron. Exactly. Talk to, so what, what the stressfulness, like uh, it's so easy to look at it as a fan, as someone who goes to games and go, oh yeah, it's great. It's a, a sports team. I love it. it. must be so cool and sexy behind the scenes, but this is also yep. a business. This is hard work. 
everybody, every business goes through cycles of tough times. Tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes of coming from the background of being a player, being a business guy of sales, chief operations, now coming into this, probably with the understanding of what it is to be on the field, but also like this is a business and it's got to work, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. So, you know, uh, while I was playing, I was a player for the team and I went on to be vice president of the Players Association for uh, eight years after I retired. So I did get a glimpse into the business of, of sports, okay. uh, and, and but not quite to the extent, you know, obviously you don't see the details of uh, the, the financial statements of each club and how, you know, how, how that works. Um, but the challenging piece to this is, you know, since, well, since COVID, uh, you know, the CFL has has been struggling attendance-wise. People found other things to do. The business of sports has changed in terms of how how fans consume sports. And so, you know, we're trying to catch up from that. But the reality is for for the Stampeders and, and I'll say as for the Elks as well, is we've been losing season ticket holders since 2015. Uh, you know, no, no surprise that the price of oil drops in 2014. And as companies, uh, uh, you know, make cuts to their budgets and people, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of people that were looking for work throughout that time. You know, you know they left as season ticket holders and, and found other things to do. And and then that was expedited, uh, you know, through the pandemic. And, and so the reality is we lost 35 percent of our season ticket holders since 2015. Ouch. So trying is, to is that the backbone of a, is season ticket holders? Is that like is that the make or break? Is that the count on? That's the. That's what smooths out the cash flow. If we want to just speak of it in business terms, is that kind of the make or break? Is the season ticket holders? Our largest uh, revenue line is season tickets. Okay. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now you know there's there's obviously TV that comes in through the league level that gets distributed to all the teams, but mm-hmm. you know our number one revenue line continues to be uh, ticket sales. So thirty five percent hit to your largest revenue line. That every business can understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and. You know, what was interesting is, you know, we had led the league in attendance and led the league in season tickets. We're also very good on the field. And so, you know, as the sporting industry was changing, there really wasn't a whole impetus for us to change because things were going well. Mm. And yet we'd seen a slight decline up until the pandemic. And then and then it just dropped off at that point. And then and that's where things really changed with the accessibility of, of everything being online and, and, and enhanced on TV viewing. So we really, we really have had to change the way in which we think about our business and, and how we attract fans, and how we sell tickets and all those sorts of things. I appreciate what you said. If I just want to pull the thread of the honesty of there, of like, you know, things were shifting, but we didn't have a huge impetus to change because it was kind of working for us. And I think any business mm-hmm. leader can relate. Go, well, yeah, I can see some trends, but let's not, let's not shake the you know bed too much or it's going to work or let's not mix it up. But then all of a sudden COVID, the left hook that we all, everybody got in one way or another during COVID. So talk to me just, you know, overarching, like the role, so many businesses strive now to be seen as, well, we're part of the community and we are doing good and we are participating. And I think in this, the sports world, that just gets baked into it, which I'm assuming can add a whole kinds of other layers of complexity of like, well, this has to be a viable business, but we're this huge part of the community that like sits in people's hearts and that there's some fire there yeah. too, right? If you change too much, you're going to get some hate mail. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and our, and our uh, season ticket holders, our fans are very vocal uh, nice. about, about uh, what they don't like, you know, as they should. Uh, yeah, and so we, 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 you know, we, we have, we've hired Mount Royal to do surveys, you know, with season ticket holders who have left and asked them why, and we've learned some valuable things that way. 
and made some adjustments as as an organization to, to try to overcome those obstacles. Um, but you know, as we reengage with with the community, you know, whether it's with businesses, whether it's with you know individual season ticket holders, whether it's you know just single game buyers, the thing that we really try to stress is. And if I can sum it up in one sentence, is why would why would somebody want to support the Calgary Stampeders? It's because we make Calgary a better city. And it's mm-hmm. everything we do uh, from a social responsibility piece, you know, from our players to the organization to our foundation and how we support the community. You know, and, and when we talk with people about what we do in the community, our you know our players, you know, they're going to exceed 250 appearances this year. Uh, we work with over 50 different uh, charitable organizations in, in any given year, and we've got plans to build that out. So, you know, we want to see over 300 appearances by our players, and we want to, you know, get up to 75 organizations that we work with. And, you know, and and so, you know, time, resources, and and dollars through our foundation. Uh, you know, we, we have we leave a big impact in our city, and if if for some, you know, something bad were to happen to this organization, we'd leave a hole in it. And and mm. when we when we tell people this and we and we talk about the details of it there isn't one person that disagrees with with us and it's, we do connect on that emotional level is there an is there a through line for the average fan what, what is, i'm not trying to define what an average fan is but the, the average individual who loves going to the game i love the experience i bundle up i do whatever i do to go there and have it sit beside the same people i've sat beside for years because they also have seasons is there a through line or is there a clear enough line of sight to what you just said or is that also part of the messaging of like hey by the way this is not just a fun place to come on game day or to get bought in and get the family around the TV to your point that this organization actually has impact on our city or is like, I feel that story still has some bandwidth to be told that my own thought. I I would agree with you. Mm. Uh, You know, there isn't, I don't pass up an opportunity to go out and speak on behalf of the organization. If it's one person or if it's a thousand people, Um, because it's important for us to get that message out. out. And um, you know, we do, one of the things that I love about sports and about in particular, the Calgary Stampeders is we bring the community together, um, you know, in a whole bunch of different ways. And, and it, the impact that we have as a computer, I recognize that as a player, uh, you know, early on in my career, my first off season, uh, when I stayed in Calgary, you know, I did every charity appearance that I could, I could do, whether it was skiing, playing basketball, you know, signing autographs, going to school and reading, you know, I did everything I possibly could, and uh, you really learn how valuable you know this organization is to the community, and how important it is to give back. You know, we're asking them to support us, and we want to make sure that we support the community that supports us. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I was excited to have you on because, like, uh, this has so many threads in it, and yeah, it is a business, and it goes through challenges. But you're right. Remove that the fear of losing that from a community. Like, it plays such a role that it's maybe easy to just take it for granted if you live here to be a poor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, it, from the time I retired to the time I came back in this position, there were times when I took it for granted. Even as an alumni, you know, you still try to go out and do appearances on for the club and and on behalf of the alumni. But yeah, no, there is. It, that's unfortunately you just that's trust just that you just trust that it's always going to be there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, talk to me a little bit about again back to the business. You've got a facility that's maybe aging a little bit. I think I heard someone mention that today, whether it was in the media or wherever, like, oh, we need a new such and such. And these are big numbers. These are big dollars. These are like you're thinking things on a on a large time horizon when you talk about building a new facility. And we've got a lot of rhetoric around that in Calgary from a hockey perspective to maybe football. Yep. To like you said, just getting people's preferences have changed in how they consume content, whether it's in person or whether it's just on my phone as we sit here today. Mm-hmm. 
what are some of the things like do you I'm obviously there's things you can do now, things you can do later. When you look at the business model, is it about how do we adapt to the changing fan while simultaneously also being current and looking at things like a new facility? I'm not trying to put you on the spot with that question, but it's gotta come up and it's no easy that's 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 not an easy box to check on the on the corporate strategy list. <laughs> no, and it's it's certainly something that comes up hmm. it, you know, with every fan you talk to. Uh, and, and yes, we are challenged with McMahon stadium. We've got the oldest, uh, we've got the oldest stadium in the CFL. It's a challenge. What I, uh, one of the things I attempted to do since I started is to talk about, you know, the historical aspect of, of the CFL. And so I've been telling everybody that will listen and say, you know, we've got the Fenway park of the CFL. Um, yeah, I, I, I like a good storyline. I like a good, I, got, I like that, Jay. I like it. Yeah. This is like Some that. People, oh, I never thought of it that way. Well, you should. You should. I like that. I like that. Well, there is a lot of history here. And you think about some of the great players that have come and played here, you know, whether it's Doug Flutie, whether it's Willie Burton, whether it's uh, John Helton. Right? So there, there, and then all the great cups we had won and the great teams that we have had. Uh, it, and it, you know, when you're sitting in that bowl on a summer night, those sight lines are the best in the CFL. There's there's not a better atmosphere when the stadium is full. Yes, we have we have challenges on the concourse, uh, you know, with our facilities. And I, I'll be honest, there's no I don't love having porta potties uh, within the stadium. We need <laughs> the, we need the lineups in the bathroom are a real thing. Thank you for being honest they about are, that. I haven't been to a game a for a few thing. years, but that does stick out in my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it, absolutely as it should. Yeah, and so I mean, we would love. And we are attempting to have discussions uh, around a, a new stadium. Will we ever get there? That's a long, I, I don't yeah, know. That's a long, yeah, that's sure. a long way away. Um, so in the meantime, we have to do with the best with what we've got. And, you know, we do have plans and we are, we do strategize about, because, you know, younger fans consume sports very differently than somebody my age does. Yeah. You know, they don't want to sit in a seat for three hours and, and watch it. They, you know, they, they consume it in shorts short bits you know like whether it's on their phone you know they want to have a social spot where they can go hang out with friends and have a game going on the backs in the background so as as almost a back as a backdrop not necessarily yeah that's a really good point Mm -hmm. yeah so for that does that mean shifting and looking at your relationship you mentioned about tv and media and just thinking about the whole where you know bums and seats isn't the main metric anymore to your point or it's just one of the important metrics one of the more important metrics you're exactly right so it's uh you know even things like instagrammable moments you know these are things we have to consider as a business and how do we take a you know a, an older stadium and create instagrammable moments for young kids to come uh and mm. people want to feel welcome here so you know these are things that we strategize about every day uh and look for cost effective ways uh in which it's hard when you're when your season ticket base has been depleted by 35 percent to say hey we've got a ton of extra cash available that we can invest in this so we are going to be very prudent in how we do this the the times when uh, you're forced to make the most aggressive changes is often when you're back on the heels from a cash perspective as a business right because back to your point when things are going well oh well you know don't rock the boat (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly yeah have you seen and being blunt with it has that that drop, that 35% drop, have you, has it bottomed out? Has, have you arrested the fall and while we're starting to move in the other direction or has it, has it stabilized just to be really straight up with that question? I would, you know, so we, we saw a small drop, the smallest percentage in season ticket holders, you know, in the last five years in this past year, but we made up for it single game tickets. So overall, people are still going like, Oh, let's go today. Like day of stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the other piece that's changed too. When you think about the secondary ticket market, whether it's, you know, the StubHubs or the SeatGeeks, mm. you know, that purchase tickets, 
And you can, you know, wait and see what the weather is going to look like and buy a ticket an hour before the game. Uh, And and so the accessibility of tickets is is a lot easier and a lot more convenient, and you can do it quite quickly. And so that's changed the game a little bit, too. And so, you know, to see an erosion of our season ticket base, you know, a little bit, yeah, you can understand because of that secondary market. Uh, To see what what we've had, there's a bigger, more fundamental problem that we've got to fix. And just thinking about the revenue numbers, I'm assuming from a dollars per ticket, that individual who buys it on the day of is going to, is paying a little bit more of a premium than maybe a season ticket holder. But from a business, one is really bumpy cash flow from a cash flow perspective. The other one, you can plan for it. So they both yeah. have their plus and minuses, slightly bigger margins, but very unpredictable. Very unpredictable. I, those are higher and, risk you know, dollars. Those are risky because I don't know what if it rains that day. Uh. Well, and that's what I was just about to say is, you know, we felt that in particular this year, mother nature was not kind to us this year. Yeah. Okay. So whether it was our preseason game that almost got canceled because of smoke, um, you know, we had a, a game in July that was 35 degrees and too hot to sit in the stands. Um, in August, we had, uh, August, uh, August, I think 18th, we had snow or it was six degrees and rain <laughs> and wind. Oh, Calgary, uh, we Calgary, you, you fickle, you fickle lady, you with your weather, <laughs> with your weather. You're we fickle. were celebrating our 98, uh, it was the 25th anniversary of our 98 great cup team. And so we brought over 35 players back for that game. And, uh, you know, we had a, we had done our south practice field. We had an event planned before the game, uh, and nobody was there. Our players didn't even want to stick around because yeah, it was so cold. Um, and then Taking we me back to my youth playing football, playing football games in the snow and the right. wet in Montreal, and your yep. feet are frozen. And yeah, uh, yeah, no, I like that's something you like to grow out of, <laughs> you know. Right, exactly. But right, so, extreme, so we, like weather like, and the big swings in weather, which is a Calgary phenomenon. It's got to wreak havoc on just something yep. you've literally. It's like being a farmer; you're always checking the weather. <laughs> You're always checking the weather. You always, when uh, when it's game week, I am checking the weather by by the hour. I, 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 forecast I change. And, yeah. Well, so and so, so and so is your attendees at the same thing. Like, what do I wear? Do, oh, I, wear, totally. do I wear a parker or what do I? When yeah. you look at some of the other uh, clubs across Canada, is it fairly similar? Because this is a consistent like always. This is Calgary Western Canada based podcast, and I'm always very pro Alberta. Are we doing mm-hmm. better than other markets? Are other markets just as challenged? Like there is the phenomenon of how the sports market have changed. What happened to us with the downturn of oil was very Alberta, very Calgary centric and a little bit mm-hmm. back in 14 or so. You, I'm assuming you all compare notes. How's the trends? Is it pretty consistent across the board or is there pockets of difference? No, it, things that are, are quite different actually across, across the CFL. So okay. when you look at Calgary, you know, despite our losses, we're st- we still sit fourth uh, in the league in ticket sales. So that's, okay. you know, it's still who's, 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 who's beating us, Jay? Who's beating us? Uh-huh. Well, Winnipeg, Winnipeg has done a phenomenal job okay. of, uh, of, of managing their business. Okay. Um, they, they, they understand it from top to bottom and, and have made changes. And talking with their president, it says it's taken them 10 years to get there since he took over in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are leading the league. Saskatchewan, you know, despite they've seen a decrease. For the first time ever, they've had to hire a sales team uh, because, you know, people were just... And everyone knows Saskatchewan fans are at another level, right? That's a whole other right? thing. Right, <laughs> and they really are. Um, but, and then when you've seen the largest increases uh, in our major markets, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, um, you know, they have year over year shown, you know, double-digit growth in their ticket sales. Um, mm. You know, it's they were trailing the rest of the league but you know their ownership groups have really energized those markets and, okay. and you've seen a lot of a lot they've of a bigger, so they have a bigger really, pool bigger of a better pool. Yeah. like they just have more people right like just the brass tax of that mm-hmm. 
Yep. So I think it's really exciting about what's happening in the league. You can see our TV, our broadcast ratings are up uh, across the board, uh, you know, in that uh, 25 to 50 category, which is the main demographic, uh, you know, mm-hmm. what TSN looks for. Uh, you know, it, it's up, you know, close to 30, over 30 percent. Uh, year over year in, in Calgary, our our viewer broadcast in that same demographic is up, you know, over forty. So you know, there's a so lot you still of have really... the fans; they're just consuming yeah. in a very, very different way. Exactly what you said. Earlier. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Which That's is a much exactly better problem right. than losing than just losing interest, <laughs> right? You know, apathy or exactly finding something else to do. Well, and, and you know, like we all have so much access to content; it's insane. Like used to be, right. if it wasn't on or televised in your local market, that you didn't get to see. The, the 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 world cup or you didn't get whatever you want to see you can now digest it so it's just the competitive yeah. for my for eyeballs is real <laughs> it, it is very real and you know when you think about you know the, the weather challenges we've had this year uh and somebody sitting at home that has the opportunity to buy a ticket an hour before the game but their 50 inch tv uh is, is and the snacks you know, and the beer is cold it's tough man. it's a tough conversation yeah, <laughs> it it really is and so you know, that leads us into, you know, something completely different is we talk about what do we do from a game presentation standpoint? How do we compel fans to come to the stadium? Because there's something happening here that you can't see on TV. Right. Uh, and that's, that's the other part of our business that we strategize every day. And how can we, how can we elevate the fan experience on game day? Well, I know I will, we will go out of our way for an experience, but if the experience on the couch is just easier, more comfortable and you know, just having a lazy day, but if there's something like you'll go out of your way for a draw, but there, it has to be a draw now because it's easy to go, nah, I'm just going to stay home. <laughs> and you, yep. and COVID didn't help teach us that either. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what can you change? What can't you change? How do you make it without compromising that there is an integrity to this is the game we play and this is how we play it as well. Like, you know, because you get too gimmicky and then, then you get some backlash. <laughs> I would imagine. Yep. Totally instantaneously. Yeah, no, it's it, it, instantaneously, right? So <laughs> I think I think the core of you know the game of football uh, and that and that aspect will always be there. Uh, you know, especially the, the the Canadian game, right? It's it's something that distinguishes ourselves from the NFL, from college football in the U.S. And people are quite proud of the heritage of the Canadian Football League. So I, you know that that will always be what it is. Um, and for but the audience, we're recording do. this on Thanksgiving Friday in the U.S. Speaking of like football <laughs> on top of football, like yeah. yeah, I talked to some guys like, I think I'm just going to skip out today, go home and watch football. So yeah, that's just for the just good timing on the day that we're recording this episode, right. actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the games have started yet, but probably I'm sure I could find one somewhere if I turned on my TV. Yep. <laughs> um, and so the thing is, what we talk about is so that you got the game and there's lots of things you can do within the game on commercial breaks on, you know, at the end of each quarter and those sorts of things. But if you get too gimmicky, like you said, you'll hear about it. Yeah. But it's, you know, what goes on before the game and what can you do after the game to give people an experience, you know, an end to end, end to end experience, you know, st- you know, whether it's tailgating, we've got the best tailgating in the league. Uh, and you know, how, a lot okay, of games- how, how do you gauge that? What's your metric for best? Cause I love best tailgating. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, wait a second. How do you measure best tailgating? I'm, I might be putting you on the <laughs> what, spot. What's the metric on that, Jay? <laughs> well, this would be, uh, completely anecdotal. Okay. Um, amazing. I'm but, okay with that. But, but it is um, when you look at uh, there are half the stadiums just don't have any tailgating space and availability. Uh, yeah, yeah, space and availability. So you know, and then and then the the rest that do it is it is very limited. They don't have the parking space you know as close to the stadium like we do. And so uh, there's something special when you drive up on game day and, and 
you just see tents and people out barbecuing. Eggs, I saw that recently for the first time in a while. And it, I was like, wow, like it just looked like you wanted to just kind of wheel in because it looked like a good time. And the parking lot yeah, was fun. packed and there was all yeah. kinds of contraptions and barbecue. Like I, I'm funny. I had that experience driving by. So I wanted to pry on yeah, that because my wife and I were both like, wow, like that I, that looks like a whole scene going on there. <laughs> it, looked, <laughs> it looked like a good time, man. It did. I no question. The only, the only challenge I have with it, I love it because it okay. adds such an atmosphere. Like if you're coming from the sea train and you're walking across the bridge, across Crowchild Trail. Well, you look down you on it, right? Yeah, you see it. <laughs> it's fantastic. My challenge with it is people are having so much fun that to get them into the stadium on time for kickoff is hard. Yeah. Well, I would say by enough. the end of the first quarter is when people are there. So, you know, but that's something we talk about from game, game presentation. What can we do prior to just before kickoff? To create a little to FOMO. Compel people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so we, yeah. we strategize about that, so, which is kind of fun because you can dream up and try to do some uh, special things. Well, and you and you've got a you've got a real live kind of petri dish to test it in. Well, we'll try it on this yeah. game and see what happens, and and you know if it yeah, works exactly. We'll it what's the balance between you know, back to the business side, basketball season tickets? Um, just thinking about the world of hockey and corporate versus individual, like families buying season tickets versus companies. You talked about obviously the downturn, but that affected companies and, and individuals affected us all. Yep. If, you, if you lived in Alberta, you were rare that you weren't affected during that time. Is there a balance or like, I know certainly with, with hockey, tons of season ticket holders and boxes all funded by corporate dollars, which is a yep. different dollar to spend as an individual where you're dealing with after tax dollars versus before. Is that a, is that as true for you guys the same way in terms of the corporate uh, involvement versus the families? Yep, I, I would say that if you and again this is I don't have the data in front of me to say, you know, but this would just be a I'd be making a guess on this okay. um, that the majority of our we call it season ticket holders, people that are coming to the games are would be individuals, families, you know, buddies that get together and buy tickets together. Okay. We do have you know the. The corporations that do support us are, are, you know, they are so loyal and they and they are so good to us and we're so appreciative of it. I think, you know, because of COVID and, you know, those people that had left us, you know, we are really trying to re-engage them again yeah. uh, and, and talk about, uh, you know, and you get a comment like, well, you know, we, we, we didn't use our tickets and, and well, we can help you with that. You know, whether you want to donate them to kids up front and, to, and have underprivileged uh, people come and we, we can do give that. Oppor- give, rece- give, give opportunities. Yeah. I like that. Yep. You get a tax receipt for it. We can allow you, we allow you to exchange the tickets. You know, you're not going to be at a game and you want to you know double up uh, for another game. You know, we'll allow you, allow you to do that. And then if you missed a game completely, you know, all the unused tickets will, you know, we allow you to exchange them, you know, toward the end of the season. So there's lots of opportunity to make oh, up nice. for okay. that. So uh, you, re- you yeah. remove some of the risk for that, from that perspective. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I like yep. that. Yeah, I was, I was kind of curious because certainly, obviously, from an NHL perspective, it's just the, the level of business involvement and how many times you get an invite. Like, oh, we've just got a box. We've got tickets. We need to fill it up. Like, it's it's just it seems like a different type of commodity <laughs> as it gets flown. Nope. It gets, yeah. <laughs> and let's face it, there are there is a different price level. You know, you can get a season ticket for as low as, you know, $170 a seat uh, in McMahon Stadium. You know, and the most is, you know, you know a little over $1,000 where, you know, yeah, at the saddle dome and not it's just a different it's just that we're it playing is. two different playgrounds here and uh you know there's some you know it's just not on the same level so um it is yeah, affordable 100%. for families 
to uh, you know, which probably why it makes more it. sense for families to do that. It's just a, you're right. Yep. It's just a different. It's just a different thing. Just to appreciate. But when I think of the city as a whole, and I think of the role that sports plays, there's different opportunities, and each the, the, there's different roles to be played too, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Exactly. And so you know, we are very focused on well on reengaging you know our Calgary fans on a number of fronts. Corporate specifically is one area that we are uh, we are working really hard on. Yeah, which would make which would make sense for sure. Kind of. Uh, the idea of losing an organization like this and not that we're talking, that's not happening. So we're not talking about that, but nope. just thinking, is there been other markets? Like I'm just trying to think in my head and I'm not, I'm not a historian in this way, but is there other markets across Canada that have lost their team? Like, cause it does happen. Like it is, I don't want to like, Oh, that could never happen. It does happen. And you hear the stories yep. of it is, is there a Canadian example of where that's happened and just some of the impact that that's been? I, I like to sell a little bit of fear on this folks. Like I want people to get rallied up and come and buy some tickets from you. <laughs> well, in Montreal and Ottawa are two good examples. They've had, you know, multiple organizations sort of Coming throughout, up. you know, whether it was the Ottawa Rough Riders, uh, then the Ottawa Renegades, now the Ottawa Red Blacks, then you had the Montreal Alouettes, Montreal Concord. Right. Uh, and then after the U.S. expansion failed, uh, you know, Baltimore moved back to Montreal and, they, and they've been there ever since. Gotcha. Um, but they've had some ownership challenges over the last couple of years and, and fortunately now have uh, have really, really solid ownership in there. And so I, so it has happened. Uh, and right. as yeah, Montreal, it, I grew up in Quebec and I'm like, yeah, thinking back, that was yeah. kind of like a revolving door. It felt like there for a bit. <laughs> right. With, yeah. One thing about this league and the franchises within, uh, within the league, it's very resilient. You know, all the, the league in itself, you know, there was been, been through some tough times. As a player, I was there, you know, when they've asked every player to take a pay cut to help, you know, save the league. Uh, when you saw the U S franchises go away, when you, and so, Somehow, some way, this league always continues to chug along and, and find a and find a way. And and I'm confident uh, it's going to take a lot of hard work to get to where we want to go. But I'm confident we're going to get there. And I appreciate your optimism. And, and I just want to touch on like I, I've been told uh, it's not a it's necessarily a high paying league from a player perspective. I'm like you're asking these poor guys to take a pay cut. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, that hasn't happened in a okay, long time. Okay, good, good. Because uh, I've yeah, heard, yeah, 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 no, it's not, it's not the NFL folks. Like, you know what I mean? Let's be clear. It's the CFL. There is a different pay structure. And now we won't even get what, what, that. Do majority, and now I'm just getting into the nuts and bolts of it, but where are the majority, like if I look at the team right now, if I was going to break it down, where are the majority of the players from? It's about 50-50. Okay. Uh, when okay. you take away our qu- quarterbacks can be a, of any nationality. And then when you take away the quarterbacks, generally those, you know, there are the occasion that we do have Canadian quarterbacks, but generally they're American players. Uh, when you take that out, it it, it is uh, about 50-50. Okay. And so are so, you, so are, is the CFL, you, I guess, actively down there recruiting kind of that between college and NFL? Like, what, like wh- where do you go to find those players? Like, obviously that's a full-time yeah. job in itself, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Every every team has a U.S. scouting department. Uh, you know, their GMs are very versed and connected, uh, uh, you know, within the college community and within the right. NFL as well. Uh, and so we do, you know, we hold camps, you know, throughout the offseason where, you know, players can just come and, and, uh, and work out for our coaches. We can evaluate them and then decide whether or not we want to bring them to training camp okay. um, in the fall. And admittedly, it's gotten tougher, you know, with uh, the USFL and with the XFL. You know, it's it's made that pool smaller okay uh, and we've yeah, got to work and we've got to work around that too every so business work, is competing for talent right <laughs> no matter where yeah, you are absolutely yep interesting i think i just saw i don't know if you saw i was the joe rogan uh interview with the rock 
when he was telling the story about turning down the offer to come back and play in Calgary. I don't know. I just caught yeah. it on Instagram. Of course I heard Calgary and I'm like, you know, you're not, when you're not expecting to hear the word Calgary talking right. about when he like decided to make the jump and I'm not going to pursue football anymore. It's just funny that it was the, and I've heard the story about him in Calgary before. I just saw it like literally yesterday. So we popped the top off of him. Like that Which was, his, I was that with was the team. Point. Oh, were you? I was that with time? the team when, when he was here. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, that was my second year and he was a rookie and, uh, I would say this is he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Really enjoyed to have, you know, talking to him. So it's pretty cool. I had a couple of friends that are like, yeah, he came over for dinner one time when I knew a bunch of players and well, yeah, it's funny that, you know, someone becomes <laughs> famous. Everyone comes out of the woodwork. Oh, I knew that guy, but it was funny him telling the story about when he finally said, I'm going to stop pursuing. And I think then he went to WWE or WWF or whatever it was at the time, but stop yep. pursuing football as a career. And it was, it was Calgary. was the, was the, was the turning, was the turning point. Just made, just made me laugh. Small world here. Uh, it's a small world we live in. <laughs> it all, it's, it's all, yes, it's all it connected. is. So obviously you've been with the organization for, for a year now. What gets you the most excited about the future? You're doing a lot of initiatives, but is there a couple like not, not a top three list, but what gets you the most excited? And obviously you're there to create change. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the energy. When you think about a couple of years from now, what are the things we're going to start seeing as, as fans and as just members of the Calgary community ourselves? Yeah, absolutely. Like one of the things we started this year and I, you know, it, it, it kind of, we were, we were intentional about it, but it, it, it kind of got bigger than we had anticipated that it would. Okay. Uh, and that was connecting with new Canadians. Um, mm. And, um, you know, in particular, the South Asian community, um, through, through some of our corporate presentations in the offseason, we were connected with a couple of, you know, with some leaders of a, uh, of a nonprofit uh, in Northeast Calgary that focused on at-risk youth uh, in Northeast Calgary. And, you know, we talked about, well, you know, how can we partner together? And 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 then we did a Heritage Night Market on August 4th. Uh, and we had six different uh, multicultural groups be a part of that. We had Azure, Bizan Azure Bizanis. We had uh, uh, 200 people from Ukraine come to the game and they held uh, the flags uh, at, during the national anthem. Uh, we had uh, a Chinese group, two group, two Punjabi groups. Anyways, and nice. Yeah, you know, like through that, we also connected with some political leaders from the Northeast and some other, you know, business leaders in the Northeast. And, uh, and it's really started to snowball a little bit. And so we're going to put together a mentorship program throughout the offseason for these at-risk youth uh, and then develop a flag football league uh, for Northeast Calgary. Because traditionally, you know, basketball is a, is a big sport for them. Cricket's a big sport for them. And it's, you know, in learning, as I'm starting to learn, you know, from this group is not necessarily that football um football is not something they're interested in. they just it's it's a complicated violent sport and you know it, and they is. want to and, learn about and it. depending what yeah. part of the world they're from they just weren't introduced to it foot foot football exactly. meant something yeah. different to them <laughs> yeah. it was a yeah, different sport exactly. you might want to argue and so oh, I, I and see those are the things that i love that you're sharing because oh i go to a game where i don't and the, the my relationship of or understanding of the role that this team plays and this organization plays in the city it can easily stop there unless i hear these kind of stories <laughs> Right. And, you know, what, what's, what gets me excited about this is, you know, you talk about, you know, right now, you know, 25% of Calgary's population are new Canadians, you know, in 20 years, that's going to be 50%. And, you know, we talk about bringing, you know, the community together. That's every, all Calgarians. We want everybody to feel like this is their team. The Stampeders are their team and this McMahon stadium. Or hopefully a new stadium in the yeah, future. Totally. Is a place I, where I, they I, feel I'll, safe. I'll coach I'll coach you on that five years from now when, when we have <laughs> when we have a follow up chat. <laughs> right, exactly. 
uh, and where people feel safe and want to come to. Uh, and so, you know, what really drove this home for me is we, we had a gentleman from uh, uh, Kids Play Calgary. That's one of the one of the organizations we're working with in the Northeast. And, you know, he was instrumental in helping us connect with uh, with other different groups within the community. And so we asked him to do the coin toss uh, for our game at our Heritage Night. And, and it was it was a thank you. Thank you for helping us. Uh, he was he, he's a football guy. Uh, he's a, he's a Punjabi descent, but he, he's a football guy and he teared up and I, you know, and he was like, I can't tell you how much this means to me. And, and I said, well, Hey, you know, it's a small thank you for, for what you've done. And he goes, you're showing our community that we're welcome here. And mm, this is, this, that. and that hit home. I was really, I was taken back by that. I wasn't expecting that reaction. And, uh, and so it, it makes you helps you understand a little bit about how people feel and how we can try to connect in the future. So just helping people feel like it's, it's so subtle. It's so small. And exactly like we took, take things for granted, feeling welcome, feeling like you're a part of a community, especially, you know, I remember even just moving to Calgary in 2000 from Montreal and it took me about four or five years. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually kind of from here now. And I wasn't dealing with challenges of coming from a completely different, well, maybe Montreal is a completely different culture, but that's a bigger <laughs> conversation. That's a bigger conversation, but it, it, you take it for granted. And I say, Oh, Calgary's so inclusive. People are like, well, yeah, but once you're in it, but when you're, if you just, if you're from the outside, it can feel as exclusionary as anywhere else because you don't feel like you're part of it. And that's sometimes just right. real or not. If that's what you feel, making people feel like they're part of something. And you're right. We've got net new migration coming in. We've got a city that's got a different look than it had. And I think that's amazing as we, as we start to grow. And, but if we don't have people feel included, we will, we'll lose some of what I think makes Calgary special. That's my, I completely agree. Yeah. And that's, you know, I love Calgary. You know, it's a, it's a big city that has big city amenities, but feels like a small town because everybody seems to know. <laughs> like a small town ever. I totally agree with you. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Um, but if people you know, are, are not, don't feel a part of that. Then that's a challenge. It's something yeah, we got well, to, you, loot, you, you know, down. then you look back and go, Oh, remember the good old days. I don't want to be like, yeah. you know, I'm too young to say that <laughs> I wanted the good old days, like to maybe like, we're still the best is yet to come. But as we grow, you're right. We have to be more deliberate on it or some of those things can slip away pretty quickly. Hmm. Exactly. And uh, so hence why, when I was like, who do I have on for episode 400? I'm like, what a great conversation to have with, you know, you and I having not met before, but having mutual friends back to one degree of separation exactly. <laughs> who connected us. But you know, knowing of this, this, this football club, driving by it all the time, but really understanding a deeper level of the role it plays in the city. And clearly you're aspiring to play an even bigger role. So kudos to you on that journey for sure. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, we are very focused as an organization and how we can do that. So, and I'm assuming if there's an organization listening, so, Hey, we want to like, we're a not-for-profit, we're a new Canadians group, anything like that. They just reach out like stampeters.com. You guys aren't, you guys aren't hard to find. <laughs> it's easy from that point. No, Exactly. Yeah. Um, and is, if somebody wants to reach out to you, do you have a, like, hit me up on LinkedIn? Like, do you have a preferred? Because there's a million ways to get a hold of people these days. What's your preference? Probably the easiest way is, is through email. That's okay. uh, is good. Yeah. Letter J McNeil at stampeters.com. Amazing. I think I love when people throw out their, their email like that. Yeah. They're, 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 yep. Just reach out. It's the, the hardest thing is, you know, and I find as people like, oh, what if they, I'm going to reach out to these people. I'm like 90% of the time people in Calgary just like, I'll, even if they can't help you, they'll refer you to someone who can. That small town thing is alive and well here. I think it's one of our superpowers. <laughs> it, I definitely agree. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's really interesting too, is I love when, you know, our fans who are passionate, we have very, very passionate fans. And even though they, maybe they gave up their season tickets, they remain very passionate. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and they will take the time to share their thoughts. And so I, to give an example, I received a letter, like it was a handwritten letter 
a two-page letter from a gentleman who was a season ticket holder, and he expressed his concerns uh, and asked for if I could address them for him. And what, I chuckled because you know didn't come from an email. I'm gonna have I have to send him. You know, no, oh, he wrote you a letter. That, yeah, snail, that's that's got, that's yeah, got yeah. weight to it. That's got gravity to it, though, doesn't it? <laughs> but he took the time to actually do that. You know, so I uh, you know. Uh, so I'm I'm crafting my response right now to him. So it's kind of neat. Like it's not just an email, but it's it. it he took the time to actually send the letter. So we're going to do. You know, I'll send it back to him here at the end of the week. I love it. Pretty kudos, awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, kudos for you. For, kudos for him for caring enough. And there was probably some feisty bits in that. In that, if it's a two pager, there was probably some. Of course, parts of, he wasn't just sending. <laughs> he wasn't just sending you praise and validation. I'm guessing, but you yeah, took it seriously. No, you uh, you listened and you responded. Like I I do appreciate. Yeah. it. Yeah, a two, no, a two page letter has some weight to it for sure. <laughs> it, it definitely does. Sir, I appreciate your concerns. Let me let me respond in, in kind. I love it. Jay, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being the guest on episode 400. I love uh, this thing that I started to connect with my community has got proper carried away with itself, but I get to meet amazing, cool people like you. So I, I don't know. I don't know about 400 more, but there's going to be a few more. I can't stop now. It's just such a it, the more people you meet in the city, the more you realize how much crossover and how much support and how much sense of community there actually is in Calgary. And uh, I will fly that flag all day long. Well, no, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I can't believe it. It, it flew by. Uh, <laughs> it's but a good I really, sign. It's a good sign. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate you giving the opportunity to tell the Stan Peter story because I think it's an important one that people need to hear. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more and I'm happy to put it out to the world. And uh, I look forward to chatting again. I'm going to throw, I'll put that. I, I, I do love having the, okay, it's a year later. What's happened? What's going on? So yeah. I, uh, I have a feeling that this is the start. So I look forward to episode number two. I'll be bold to say that. <laughs> I can't wait for it too. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. Thank you.